Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. Hey everyone, I wanted to put together an episode today for you guys that kind of pulls everything together. You know, we've talked about the periodontal disease classifications. So I wanted to talk about what non-surgical periodontal therapy is. You'll hear all these different uh, terms associated with what we do. You'll hear SRP and you'll hear NSPT and you'll hear PT and and then you'll hear debridement and you'll hear profi and you'll hear scaling and root planing and you'll hear all these different words and terms. But let's think about what they mean. What are we actually doing with our patient chairside for each one of these acronyms that are thrown at us? And I know I can speak for myself. When I was a student, I was a little confused as to the differences between all of these different terms, things, acronyms. And I was a little worried when I graduated that I wasn't clear on what my role was or what I'm supposed to be doing with a patient specifically when I see them and they're not healthy, right? Our, our healthy patients are pretty straightforward. It's kind of easy. They come in, you do your assessment, everything looks great. You know what you're doing. You're scaling and debriding the whole mouth, very minimal calculus, very minimal biofilm issues. The tissue looks healthy and you do a routine profi and you send that patient on their way. But then when you start dealing with patients to have all these different levels of disease manifestation, things get a little cloudy. So in this episode, I'm hoping that we can clear up some of the confusion that's created by just using all the different terms that we have in dentistry. And some of the terms are just old school terms that we've carried down, even though the theories and the treatments have changed and others, not so much. So I can see where it could be a little bit confusing. So I'm hoping that in this episode, we can clear up some of that confusion so that you guys have a a really solid idea on what it is you're doing, physically doing with your patient when you're treating a patient for phase one periodontal therapy. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying. Let's talk about phase one, non-surgical periodontal therapy. What is that? It's a non-surgical method used to return the periodontium to a healthy state that can be maintained and managed by the patient and hygienist together doesn't mean that you're getting rid of periodontal disease. It's the first stage in treating a patient who has been diagnosed with periodontal disease. Phase one therapy is the initial treatment provided to every single patient who has been diagnosed with periodontal disease. It's indicated for patients who enter stage one diagnosis. Non-surgical periodontal therapy may reduce the need or extent 
of surgical procedures. The whole goal of phase one non-surgical periodontal therapy is to put periodontal disease in remission to maintain the health of the periodontium so that no further destruction of the attached gingiva or the bone happens. Even patients who require surgery will have non-surgical periodontal therapy first as their phase one approach to care. Now, patients with more advanced periodontitis may still see some stabilization in some areas and positive responses in areas of the dentition, as well as a reduction in the bacterial load from going through phase one therapy. So any patient who is treated in the office and during the assessment, it is determined that they have periodontal disease, whether it be stage one, stage two, stage three, or stage four, goes through non-surgical periodontal therapy first before any other treatment is done unless there's another pressing need that has brought them to the office. And the goal of non-surgical periodontal therapy is to minimize the bacterial challenges to the patient, to eliminate or control some of those systemic factors, help your patient change their behavior or motivate your patient, educate your patient to make some changes to reduce their risk of an advancement of the disease process. It's also important to connect the dots and help your patient connect the dots between some of their systemic issues and chronic illnesses and their current periodontal disease state. Maybe your patient doesn't know that their diabetes is a contributing factor to their periodontal health. And so this is an opportune time for you to be educating your patient on those situations. And they can speak further with their physician. There can be some interprofessional collaboration going on to really help meet all the needs of that patient. Another goal of NSPT, non-surgical periodontal therapy, is to minimize the impact of the local risk factors for periodontal disease, stabilize the attachment levels. We want to arrest the infection that's currently going on. This is the ultimate goal of non-surgical periodontal therapy, and this is where hygienists make such a big difference in whether or not patients become stable and healthy you can have periodontal disease that is considered healthy because it's in remission, or whether or not their disease becomes more out of control and they end up losing some of their teeth, if not all of their teeth. So some of the components of non-surgical periodontal therapy is a customized treatment plan after you've done a thorough assessment. What are those assessment outcomes? Your components of the non-surgical periodontal therapy start with the assessment. And if the outcome of the assessment is that your patient does in fact have periodontal disease with bone loss, radiographic bone loss, and you've made the determination with the doctor that they are either in stage one, two, three, or four, their next step would be a comprehensive treatment plan that involves phase one periodontal therapy. Now the patient takes charge of their own self-care and we support whatever needs we believe that they have Based on what we determine during the assessment, we go through the elements of good instruction and we work our patient through building some good skills that they're going to need in order to manage their dentition. As a dental team, we provide professional care, 
the hygienist, we perform the periodontal debridement and we correct some of those local and systemic factors. The doctor will do some of the restorative needs and there might be some restorative needs that are contributing to the advancement of the disease. And those are all indicated as part of the comprehensive treatment plan on what actually has to take place to get this patient's periodontal disease under control. And if this is your diabetic patient, we're taking a close look at those A1C levels to make sure that we are helping the patient get those A1C levels in a zone that they need to in order to have our efforts pay off. Because if they don't have their A1C level in a managed area, you know, under seven, then we're gonna have a really hard time being effective with our periodontal therapy. And we wanna make sure that we educate the patient on that bi-directional connection between their periodontal disease and their glycemic index. And their ability to control their diabetes is strongly correlated with this infection that's going on in their mouth. So we wanna help balance all of those things out and really help educate our patient. They may not realize that that stuff is all connected and that becomes part of our education piece in our treatment plan when we're working with our diabetic patients who are diagnosed with periodontal disease. Now, as a hygienist, this is where your instrumentation skills come in. Your periodontal pockets must be instrumented in order to disrupt that biofilm and the bacterial colonies and also remove the calculus. But it's not just about the calculus. We're talking about thorough, comprehensive root debridement. We're getting in there with all of our electric devices. We're getting in there with our after five instruments and we are detoxifying all of these pockets to reduce the bacterial load for our patients so that they can get that tissue healthy. This is where your oral anatomy comes in and all those root concavities and furcations that you learned about in oral anatomy, you need to be remembering those so that you know where all those little nooks and crannies are so you can reach into those areas with your curettes and thoroughly debride and disrupt that biofilm in those areas. Now, periodontal therapy is just another word for non-surgical NSPT, non-surgical periodontal therapy. Now, it includes not just periodontal debridement, but also deplaquing. This is the current technology used to describe what was traditionally called scaling and root planing. And some offices still use those terms. And I myself sometimes will just inadvertently kind of interchange them. So in the process, the bacterial biofilm is removed from the crown and the root within that periodontal space. It does not include deliberate removal of cementum, which is what traditional root planing is, but it restores the periodontal health by instrumentation. And this creates a surface free of toxins and bacteria. And the ultimate goal, right? So whether you say periodontal therapy or scaling and root planing or non-surgical periodontal therapy, all of them have the same goal. We want to have the subgingival microbial plaque removed. Okay. In the process, the bacterial biofilm is removed from the crown and the root within the pocket space. Now, it doesn't include deliberate removal of cementum, which is traditional root planing. It restores the periodontal health by instrumentation, and this creates a surface free of toxins and bacteria so that health can be restored. We're not looking for that glassy, smooth surface, which is what the old theory was. Back in the day, hygiene, we thought that the glass roots had to be super smooth and we had to debride the root surface of the outer layers of cementum. And that's just simply not true. It's not what the research indicates. 
it's also important that to know that we tend to put capes on our back and think that we are instrument queens. But the truth is 100% calculus removal can only occur to four millimeters. After four millimeters, there is evidence that residual calculus will remain. And so adequate healing is almost impossible in those regions. As a clinician, you have to be aware of this when you are doing instrumentation in those deeper regions. No matter how skilled you are, the residual calculus can still remain. Now, also important to know is that the result of non-surgical periodontal therapy is a long junctional epithelium. And this resides on the root surface where there once were collagen fibers. There can be a reduction in pocket depth, which can then in turn help the patient maintain the area. But it's important to keep in mind that tissue healing can be slow. Four to six weeks should be allowed prior to reevaluating your patient. And it's important for you as the clinician to try to figure out what the response is and the plan for the next steps of your patient. What is your patient's balance point? What is the balance point? The balance point is the length of the time that they can go between their visits with you where you're doing subgingival plaque removal and biofilm disruption and calculus removal, how long can that patient go between visits and still maintain the health of that periodontium without going back into active infection? That's what the balance point is. It's important that your patient stays in remission, so it's even more important for you as the clinician to determine what length of time that patient can go and still keep their periodontal disease in remission. And this is individualized with every patient. I always liked going by weeks instead of months because it's much more specific. Some patients can go 12 weeks between their visits with their hygienist and their balance point is stable. Their dentition looks great and their periodontal disease is in remission. But if they go 14 weeks, things just start looking ugly. You know, the tissue's not as happy as we like to see it. Things just are kind of getting out of whack. The balance point is off. So it's really important for you that when you're doing the reevaluation after non-surgical periodontal therapy, that you're keeping that stuff in mind. And you're trying to always figure out what is my patient needing to do and what do I need to do to keep their periodontal disease in remission. So what is that reevaluation? So after the patient completes non-surgical periodontal therapy, they're provided with the appropriate medications and home care guidance that you've given them all along the process. They then return to your office four to six weeks later post-treatment for you to assess the findings. How does the patient look? What's the tissue telling you, right? What is the reduction in pocket depth? How's the bleeding? How's the biofilm? How are the, how's the management going on? Now, based on your answer to that important question, you can answer, what is the next step for my patient? You do a gingival assessment. Let the tissue tell you, are there any sites that are not healthy? You do a comprehensive periodontal evaluation and you look, what are the pocket depths? Are there any bleeding sites? Are there areas that have improved? Are there areas that are worse? Because now you've removed the calculus and the probe is telling you the true story. At your reevaluation, if you discover sites that did not respond well to therapy, retreat those areas. You're in there anyway. Use your airflow, use your ultrasonics. 
Use your instrumentation skills and retreat those areas. You're in there. You might as well. Evaluate the patient's home care and provide some support to the patient in those areas of concern. Be direct and upfront on the areas that you're concerned about. Determine a maintenance interval that will provide the best chance for health of your patient. What is that balance point? How long can they go and still remain stable between visits? We don't always know that right away, so I tend to err on the side of caution at first. Maybe I wanna see my patient back in 10 weeks. Maybe I don't wanna wait the 12 weeks or three months as they say to see them. And I wanna see them in 10 weeks. But more importantly, you gotta make sure that you refer them for their surgical needs. Those areas that you're still concerned about, you're not going to let them sit another 10 weeks until they come back. You are going to give them that referral to go have their surgical evaluation done, and you'll still see them in 10 weeks for a maintenance appointment. Now that you understand that non-surgical periodontal therapy involves treating our patients that present with periodontal disease, I want you to think about some of the process or development that you've experienced as you've gone through your skill development through your clinical rotations. And keep in mind that when you first started working on your instrumentation skills, you were developing the skills around finding and feeling below the gingival margin. What am I feeling when I'm accessing in an area that I can't see? And so that early skill development was all about discovering what does the CEJ feel like? What does demineralization feel like? What does calculus feel like? And there's a lot of pressure as a student because you know that at the end of your journey, you're taking a board exam where you will be measured on your ability to find and feel calculus, to remove calculus, and then to know that you actually removed it. So I think we tend to get a little bit focused or hyper-focused on calculus removal. And sometimes we forget some of the more important and significant components to non-surgical periodontal therapy. And that's the biofilm disruption. So when you're looking at a specific tooth, and there might be calculus just on the mesial and distal aspects of that tooth in the call area, just as an example, it is our initial focus to really just get in there and remove the calculus. But what I don't want you to lose sight of is your responsibility as a clinician to then clean the buccal and lingual surfaces and maybe some of those early vocation areas with your instruments. So as part of your instrumentation, it's not just about the calculus removal. It's about detoxifying those pockets so that you can disrupt those pathogens. Keep in mind, so this is kind of how I look at it. If there's a four millimeter pocket, the likelihood that your patient is disrupting the pathogens four millimeters below the gum line is pretty small. So it's your duty, it's your responsibility to debride that area so that you can keep the disease process from occurring. So sometimes when we're first learning about our instrumentation and our calculus removal, we're detecting and we're finding and we're feeling that calculus and then we're removing the calculus. 
But sometimes our focus is not on debriding those other surfaces of the other teeth that don't necessarily have calculus on them, but have pathogens and biofilm that need to be disturbed, disrupted, that are going through that whole process of creating that environment that they love, that they thrive in. So we're kind of the excavators and the earthquake and the movers and the shaker people that go in there and disrupt everything. So I just wanted to share that when you're thinking about doing non-surgical periodontal therapy on a quadrant in the dental office, and you have a patient and you're looking at their radiographs and you see their bone loss areas and you see their furcation involvement, and maybe you see the calculus on the radiographs as well, your focus is going to be on those areas to remove all of that calculus and to get into those furcation areas. But in addition to that, your focus after you've removed all the calculus should be to go around every single square millimeter of those root areas where you can't see and work through the anatomical structures with your ultrasonics and with your instruments so that you can thoroughly detoxify the subgingival areas. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that uh, when we're first learning about calculus detection and calculus removal. We tend to forget about the debridement area and just how important it is to remove that biofilm from the subgingival regions. So after you've removed the calculus, so you see your patient and you're doing non-surgical periodontal therapy in a quadrant, and maybe they have some five millimeter areas and you're going to provide them with local anesthesia. You're going to go in there, you're going to remove all of the calculus in the region, and then you'll go back into those areas with your ultrasonic and really spend a good amount of quality time in those furcations and in those call areas where there's non-keratinized tissue that's very vulnerable, and you'll be detoxifying those areas to really disrupt the microbials that are in there. We are working with our instruments. We are working using the maximum use of our ultrasonics to really change the environment to help stimulate the immune system response of our patient so that we can get some good healing some good response diagnosis of what we've been compelled to treat with our patient who presents with this periodontal infection. So they're really relying on us to provide them with the skills and knowledge that we have to help their immune system thrive in this environment. We're detoxifying, we're using all of our equipment, everything that we have on our tray, everything that we have in our operatory, to really treat this patient's infection so that it heals. So keep that in mind when you're working with your non-surgical periodontal therapy patients and you're putting your patient through phase one therapy. Phase one therapy is about educating your patient on what they're going to do at home, what they're going to use for materials at home to help prevent and arrest the decay or the periodontal disease that they have going on and then it's all about your instrumentation skills, your ability to remove the calculus, to disrupt the biofilm, to help the patient's immune system heal these areas. So I just wanted to clarify that. Sometimes we get a little bit stuck 
on calculus removal, and we don't really think about the biofilm. So I wanted to bring that to your attention, that there's been a large shift, a large paradigm shift over the last couple of decades that really helps us hone in on the need to disrupt that biofilm. It's just as important, if not more important, than removing the calculus in some of these regions. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.